we'll, uh, we'll partake in the Lord's Supper here in a little bit. Um, beforehand, I want to look at God's Word and discuss what He has for us this morning. And um, when I was listening to this last song and in reflection to Hebrews 4.15, it says Christ was this champion of heaven and earth. Um, thank God He was and thank God He is. This morning, as we get ready to look at James chapter 1, um, you can see by the screen here the, the idea this morning is how to handle testing. And um, that's what we see in James chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, is the idea of testing. And this week we're going to look at 1 through 11, next week 12 through 18. Uh, next week's idea is how to, uh, the outcome of testing. But when you look at the book of James, what we see is James, the brother of Jesus, uh, and the servant of God in Christ is writing the epistle or letter, however you want to word it to the church that is scattered abroad. That's what he says in verse 1. I'm not going to read that in a little bit. I just wanted to say that now. Um, and so what we see is that James is speaking uh, to a group of people that would be believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, but they're scattered abroad. Uh, this would have been Gentile and Jewish believers. Uh, but what we see is that the people that James was talking to would already have a realization of the gospel. They would have this idea and this, this knowledge, the sin debt which they had against a perfect and holy God that willed to save them by sending His Son to be a sacrifice that they did not deserve so that they would be reconciled with Him. See, these people that James is speaking to were believers. They had already heard the gospel and responded to it. And my prayer is that that is us this morning, that we have this same understanding of the gospel and that we have come to this salvation in Christ and Christ alone. If morning, this morning, if that's you, in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 11, we have a very comforting message, a very important message that we must listen to this morning because God is a God that provides. And this morning, I want you to know before I even get into it, is that this is one that I am not good at. This is one that as I was studying and preparing for the last few months, this is one that I was not looking forward to. Uh, it's a very easy concept this morning, but it's one that I am not good at. It's, the idea this morning is that we should trust in God. Uh, and if there's any of you that can understand and relate to me this morning, I appreciate that. But I'm the type of person that I like to fix things myself. That if something happens, if we have issues or have a problem or there's something that, that's, a, that's come up and it has to be handled, I'm the type where I want to get my hands dirty and get it fixed as soon as possible and as quick as possible. And I would say there's many of you that would be the same as me in that context. But this morning, as we get ready to look at James chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, I want to encourage you to look along with me. Uh, if you don't have your copy of God's Word with you, I would encourage you to grab one uh, from the pew in front of you. Uh, I think it's, as we look at the book of James, it's going to be important that we follow along and look at it. And as you turn there, if you're not already there, I'm going to pray for us and we'll, we'll dive into it. Dear Heavenly Father, we come now and we thank you that you, you are the conqueror of heaven and earth. That you came and lived a life and went through the trials, the issues, the problems, the temptations that we went through, God, but you took it a step farther and you, you took the pain and the death that we deserved. You took the death that we deserved, God, and you were that sacrifice on the cross. 
And I thank you for that, God. I thank you for the salvation and the hope that we find in that. And I pray this morning that we take it a step farther and we find a hope in who you are, God. In our circumstances, in our problems, and in our struggles, that we find a hope in you, God. I love you, and I pray this morning, God, that we leave here with the words that you have for us. In your son's holy name, amen. If you would, we're going to look at these verses uh, step by step. I'm not going to read all of it at once. I'm just going to read it as we go through. So we'll start in verse uh, 2. James says in verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. There's a very simple start here. He starts off again with my brethren, and I want to just echo that again is that James was talking to believers he was talking to brothers and sisters in Christ and he so he's addressing the church and he says my brethren then he goes on he says count it all joy when you fall into various trials the first thing here we see is to count it all joy and really what this means and what James is saying to us is that we should count it as a joy when we go through trials we should count it as a good thing, a joyous thing, a happy thing that we go through trials. And I don't know about you, but that seems backwards, right? When difficulty happens, when struggle happens, when things that are out of your control happens to you, it's not very joyous, right? We don't respond in that way. We respond with bitterness or anger or discord or whatever it may be. We respond negatively, but James is calling us to do otherwise. He says to count it all joy. Then he says, when you fall into various trials. That concept here is it's not the concept that we see later on in the book and what we saw in 1 Peter when we studied it. This concept of various trials, what he's really just simply saying is that when we go through issues in this life, when we find ourselves in circumstances that happen to everybody else in this world, and I, I came up with a list, and I'm going to name them. And uh, if I was the kind of preacher that would ask you to raise your hand, I would, but I'm not, so don't worry about it. But I just want you to think to yourself if you've ever encountered some of these. Job loss, hard times financially, family struggles, doubts, death of loved ones, sickness, uh, struggle with sin. If we really think about it, and there's so many more we could name, but if you really just look at those, we would all fall into that category, right? We've all uh, had issues financially. We've all maybe have lost a job or had family struggles, doubts. We've all lost people that we love. We've all been sick before, and we definitely all deal with temptation of sin. See, simply put, James is talking about the issues that we find ourselves in in life. And I don't know about you all, but that's perfect for us this morning. That's where we all are, is that we all have trials and issues and problems. But then he goes on in verses 3 through 4 and says this, Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I read verses 3 through 4 just to give you, uh, I just want to read it real quick, but we're not going to talk about that this morning. We're going to talk about that next week when we discuss how the outcome of testing. Uh, and so I just wanted to read it and tell you that if you want to hear that ex explained, you have to come next week. Um, but as we look at verse 5, what we see is this. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. And this, what we see is the first thing is this, if anyone lacks wisdom. 
So James is, in the first four verses, he's talking about testing and, and the trials of this world. And, and he says, look, when you, when you have these trials, count it joyous. And then in verse 5, he just abruptly talks about wisdom. And it almost seems like it's disconnected. And when you read a lot of scholars, they think it's disconnected. But I want to explain it to you like this. It's what James is saying is that when you go through these trials and you go through these issues and these problems in life, that we are called to ask God for his wisdom. That we're called to ask for God for his wisdom in those circumstances. And I'm going to take it a step farther. And this is not in that scripture there. But we should also ask for his strength and his power and for his help in them. But he says here to ask for wisdom, to ask God for wisdom. So when we find ourselves in these struggles in life, uh, and it doesn't matter what it is, we should ask God for his help and his wisdom and how to handle those circumstances. But when you read on in verse 5, he says that we have a God that gives above reproach. And I'm quoting, I'm not quoting that directly. But we have a God that gives to His children. And as I started this morning, if you're here and you've responded to the gospel and you are a believer in Christ and you have come to that salvation, then you're one of His children. So we have a God that takes care of His own. And what He's simply saying here is that when we go through these trials and these problems and these issues in life, then what we are called to do is ask God for His wisdom. It's simple. But as I stated when I started, it's one that I lack to do it most times in my life. That I try to first do it myself. But he goes on in verses 6 through 8 and he says this. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unable, unstable in all of his ways. And what we see here is that, that James is taking it a step farther. He says, not only should we ask God for wisdom, but we should ask God for wisdom in faith. That we ask God and we have faith that he is going to provide the, the knowledge, the strength, and the power to overcome the trials, issues, and problems of this world. That when we ask God for help, when we ask God for wisdom, that we should depend on him. That we should feel and we should know that God is going to come through for us on the end. But he takes it a little step farther and he kind of explains that we should not do it arrogantly as well. That we should not assume that God owes us anything. Because even though uh, we, we come to know Christ, God does not owe us a thing. That we didn't, God didn't even owe us salvation. And so God does not owe us to help us in these circumstances, in these problems. But we do have a God that loves us like a, child, like a father loves a child. And he desires to provide for us. So we should ask him in faith and then verses 9 through 11 says let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation but the rich in his humiliation because as a flower of the field he will pass away for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass its flower falls and the beauty of beautiful appearance perishes so the rich man is also will fade away in his pursuits when you read this, it almost comes across that James is uh, really just being harsh on the, those that are rich. But that's not the case here. And it really seems that, that James is, is putting the poor before the rich. But when you read on uh, in, in the book of James, he talks about the sin of partiality and how that we shouldn't exalt, exalt one over the other. And what he's saying here, though, is that there's two different types of people he's talking about. There's the poor and there's the rich in life. 
And what he's, he's, not, he's, not, he's not saying one's better or worse than the other, but he's just presenting two different positions in life. And what he's saying here is that both of these people, both of these positions, that it's natural for them to depend on their circumstances. That those that are poor, it is easy to depend on, on their circumstances, and those that are rich, it's easy to depend on theirs. But rather, that we should not do either one of those, but we should depend on God and God alone in our problems and issues, in our trials of this life. James is simply stating that we have these trials. We should depend on Christ and not our own abilities and circumstances. What we see here so far is pretty simple. These 11 verses are saying that we, when we face these trials and issues of life, we should not only consider them joyous, but depend on Christ with wisdom and strength rather than our own knowledge and strength. And as I started this morning, and many of us would agree that this is a hard thing to do. This is difficult. This, this doesn't come natural to us. We want to fix it ourselves. We want to handle it. We want to take care of it. But James is saying that we should not, that we should depend on who God is and ask for wisdom and ask in faith. And God will provide because he is the great father that we have. And this morning, to try to explain this, I wanted to, I wanted to read a Facebook post that uh, I was able to read this week. And uh, as I read it, many of you wouldn't know where it comes from. And those that don't, I'll, I'll, I'll explain at the end of it all. But I'm going to look down when I read this whole thing because I don't want to mess this up because this is somebody's heart being poured out uh, to the world around him. He says, I can tell you that we have an amazing God. He has moved in my life so much. He has done some unbelievable things in my life that I thought could never be possible. I have been through some tough things over these past five months. I was diagnosed with cancer from what the doctors were saying. It was really serious that I had to have surgery and had to have it removed, and it scared me to death. But I believed, I believed God could comfort me and handle this, was going to make sure I was taken care of. And of course, they got into the surgery and removed my lymph nodes where the cancer was found, and they went back to take a quick examination on the first few they cut out, and it came back negative. So they went ahead with the surgery and removed the rest of them and had sent them off examined by specialists. Okay, so guess what? God took care of me. He blessed me in so many ways. Before the surgery, I was diagnosed with cancer in my lymph nodes, and when they examined it, it all came back negative. So as I was sitting in the hospital bed and doctors came in and said, you're a living proof that there is a God. You're a miracle. The cancer that we found in the lymph nodes wasn't there. It is gone. So I started crying my eyes out, thanking God for blessing me. He is such an amazing God. He works in mysterious ways, folks. And not only is that the whole story, I get a bill I wasn't sure about, so I called the hospital today and asked, and asked about it. And the woman told us that I don't owe it on that bill. It is paid for. And, when, and we're like, what do you mean? And she was, says, everything that has been done in Jackson surgery, etc., has been paid for. Nothing is, is to be owed to us. Y'all, God is a blessing in so many ways. Now that one, this is one story in my life I will remember forever, and I wanted to share it. I am, I am speechless. God has most certainly blessed me in so many ways. If you don't know who this is and you don't know what's going on, I want to explain it to you a little bit. This is Jordan Fry, which is Kim's nephew. Uh, it's a guy that 
Kim told us about it about five months ago, and we've been praying for him, and uh, and really been pouring out to God for him. And I read this post, and I called Kim and made sure I could read it this morning, um, because this post is from a guy that is 19 years old. Um, and in this moment, what stood out to me more than anything in his entire Facebook post was this. He says, I was diagnosed with cancer, and from what the doctors were seeing, it was really serious, that I had to have surgery and to have it removed, and I was scared to death. But I believed. I believed God could comfort me and handle this, and it was going to make sure I was taken care of. That this, this 19-year-old guy that, uh, when I think back, I was only 19 six years ago, so, uh, but when I think back six years ago in my life that I would not have had that faith. I probably wouldn't have that faith today. And if Jordan realizes it or not, and even he probably doesn't even know I'm talking about him this morning, but what we see in James chapter 1 through 11, and we look at Jordan's post, that it, it, it fits right there together, is that Jordan, he, he had this trial, this issue, and this struggle in life that many of us will never see, but he, he had faith that God would provide the wisdom for everybody in their circumstance, and guess what? God did. And it's, it's an amazing story, and it's, it's one that I, I'm glad he will never forget, and I pray that I'll never forget either, because he had this faith that, that many of us wouldn't. This doesn't mean he didn't doubt, because when you read his thing, he says that he was scared to death. He, it's natural to be afraid, and, and, and James isn't saying that it's not natural to have these fleshly outputs on it, but ultimately what we're called to do is have faith that God will provide, and what we see in his stories, that's exactly what Jordan did. This morning, I wanted to read his story as I read James 1 through 11 uh, because it just fits so perfect with it. it. It fits so well with it that this 19-year-old guy that had this faith, and Jordan is an example to us this morning, that when we read this and we ask God what, what it means to us and, 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 and what now and what, what, what should we leave here with today, it's exactly what Jordan applied to his life in this moment. We should consider this trial, issues and problems that we encounter in this world as joyous. At that moment, he may not have called, thought it was joyous. He may, have, he may have had self-pity. He may have had doubt. He may have had these issues, but ultimately he gave it to the Lord. And now, when you read his story, you can tell that he had found joy in it. That he, he, he thanks his Lord and Savior for what he has done for him. And we too should have that same concept that, that when we go through these things and when it maybe if it's loss of a job or financial problems, family problems, whatever it could be, that when we find ourselves in these moments, we consider it a joy. And next week I'll explain why. But the next thing we see is that not only we should consider it a joy, but in these circumstances we should ask God for wisdom, strength and power to overcome them. And not only should we ask Him, but we should have faith, not doubtfulness or arrogance when we ask. Because we have a God that is going to take care of us. We have a God that is going to provide. And that doesn't mean that we'll always get what we want. That doesn't mean that we'll always have the outcome that Jordan was thankfully able to have. But we have a God that knows better than any of us. And we have a God that provides and he is going to do that. If it's here or if it's in heaven. So this morning, I just want to urge you to think about it and, and consider this morning, what should you do with this message? And as we get ready to, to observe the Lord's Supper, I want to reflect again on Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. For one is ever respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. That we have a God 
that has been through what we've gone through. We have a Savior that we could find hope in. We have a, a God and Savior that, that has been through the rains and has come out of it. And when I think about that story and I think about the, the, the Christ and the Savior that we have, I, I couldn't find a better, more better time to, to observe this. Because Christ, at the end of his life, he was standing before or sitting before his 12 closest friends and he was about to be handed off to be the sacrifice that we all know he is. And he's sitting there with his closest people and that's when he observed this. That's when he took this right here and he, and he calls us to do so this morning. And I want you to find comfort in this right here is that we have a Savior that may have took the body and took the blood and he may have died, but he rose again. And because he did, we have hope. Not only in salvation, not only in the gospel, but also in our circumstances that we have a God that takes care of us. I want to read Matthew 26, 30. It says, And when he took and sang a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So this morning, if you would, let's stand and I want us to praise God one last time before we go back um, out into the world. And, but I want us to, um, to depend upon His wisdom throughout our trials, issues, and problems. And as we sing this song, uh, maybe you want to cast your cares out to Him today by coming to Him in prayer. Um, and I, I don't want you to feel like you have to come down here and pray. Maybe you're where you're standing and you just there's something going on in your life and you're going through those trials, you're going through those problems today, and we find comfort in salvation in Christ through this communion, but also we find comfort in our trials because of that. So I would encourage you to pray where you are, but maybe you want to change the posture. Maybe you want to come down here and pray at the altar and ask God to help you, or even maybe I'll be standing in the side here, and maybe you want to talk to me about something. Maybe uh, God is speaking to you and you want to discuss it. I would encourage you to do so, but regardless, I urge you to reflect on God's word. See, James, the whole story of the book of James just comes down to a simple statement, to be doers of the word and not only hearers. My prayer is this morning that however God is telling you to be a doer, that you do that. Mm-hmm.